All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com and rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will challenge you to a duel in front of all your family and then we'll cut your arm off. <laughs> and now, Howler Pod. Oh! Howlers! Welcome to Howlerpod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow! I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers! All right, it's the final character study aaron oh my god we have arrived we've finally gotten there we are studying darrow today yes the main character if you haven't noticed (laughs) of the entire red rising saga there's no howler pod passage there's no in-depth scrutiny or judgment today because it's a celebration of our main man the brooding boy himself darrow Brooding again. <laughs> and I mean, we wouldn't dare even <laughs> pretend to discuss calling him a pixie. I'm not even going to entertain it. How dare you? <laughs> I hope no one wrote in saying he was a pixie. Not yet. Good, because we're not including it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Today, we are throwing out the traditional format. Because you know who Daryl is, and if you don't, <laughs> you're in the wrong place. We don't need character descriptions. We don't need a story recap. Story recaps. Fuck all that. It's just Daryl, man. He's the man, the main man. So we're going to get right into the historical connections from our wise and wonderful researcher. And guess who's coming on the pod? She's back. Heather. Welcome back, Heather. Of course. How have how have you been? What's going on? For the first time, and you know, getting some swimming in. It's a good good life, you know. How about you guys? You know, uh, going to work. We're feeling good. It's a you new know, year. New year. Yeah. yeah. Everyone likes to hear about my COVID at work, and I want to be like. <laughs> You did this to me. <laughs> no. Did a bunch of other people get COVID at work too? Um, we had a cluster. There were four of us. Damn. We sat near each other. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Classic COVID. So, um, yeah, we're doing good. Other than that, yeah, we're just excited to talk some Darrow today. Yes. And reminder, uh, Heather, this is also your last 
assignment for us <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> so good timing before you go back to actual school and have actual uh, assignments. I'm really not excited. I'm just so motivated to do research for HowlerPod, but I'm not feeling the same for school. So <laughs> I feel you there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's dive into the historical connections that Heather has written up for us for our very own Darrow. Take it away, Heather. Okay, let's do it. With so much content to process, let's jump into the etymology and significance of the surname Andromedus, formed from the ancient Greek Andros in conjunction with Medomai, Andromedus literally means to be mindful of man. Though seemingly fundamental, respect for all people was quite a novel concept when Darrow first entered the picture in Red Rising. Because of his humble origins, Darrow alone within gold society recognized the humanity in all colors, believing them equally worthy of joy and freedom. Furthermore, connected through the deeds of Perseus, the mythical Pegasus sprang from the blood of Medusa as the hero decapitated her. Perseus then rescued the Ethiopian princess Andromeda from being sacrificed to a sea monster by her parents. As the Pegasus represents House Andromedus, this symbolism should not be lost. Looking past personality, one could extrapolate that Pegasus, Perseus metaphorically binds Andromeda and Pegasus together with selfless courage, but also blood. Sanguine ubiquity has always served as a grounding principle for Darrow, especially in his early days post-carving. When he feared most that he would lose himself in the struggle to break the chains, Dancer reminded him that all colors bleed red. Through the rising, Darrow himself comes to embody the centripetal force of blood. His sacrifice and vision bind all spectra of people to a common cause, liberation, or maybe just him. Darrow's original association with Lycos is a bit more straightforward. In agreement with the mind's Greek system of taxonomy, Lycos translates into English as wolf, howler foreshadowing much? Since we know the significance of the title of Reaper, let's focus on Darrow, meaning spear in Old Irish instead. Spears are obviously formidable weapons of war, denoting Darrow's awesomeness in battle, but once thrown, they cannot change course. They're all momentum, just like Darrow, driven arrows alike. Throughout his rise to power, Darrow goes by many names. Nevertheless, at the outset of his physical transformation, Darrow refuses to forfeit his name, the only remaining connection to his red identity. He was supposed to exchange Darrow for Caius, a name suspiciously similar to Gaius, the prinomen of Julius Caesar. In rejecting that transformation, we can hope that Darrow simultaneously rejected murder instigated by friends, though he's already fallen prey to similar conspiracy. Nevertheless, Darrow's charisma and military prowess starkly parallel that of Caesar. Though Darrow rose from the dirt while Caesar descended from aristocracy, they both fundamentally understood that to earn true loyalty, they must make their inferiors feel valued and heard, create allies rather than pawns. This attribute marked them as heroes of populism, as did their unique tendency to forgive. Should an enemy surrender or an impartial actor belatedly choose their side, Caesar and Darrow alike would welcome them into the fold so long as they fully supported their new regime of power. This tactic was highly unusual in ancient Rome, but even more in gold society, where cheater be cheated and winner take all reign supreme. While perceived as naive by many, this strategy effectively transformed seemingly insurmountable obstacles into opportunities. Just look at Cassius's last-minute rescue of Darrow in Dark Age. Had Darrow followed the path of retributive justice as the society would have, he'd be dead on Mercury right now. 
When Caesar crossed the Rubicon and occupied Rome, he could have exercised a reign of terror, prescribing all those who, did, who had opposed or might oppose his leadership. But he continuously opted for peace when given the choice, seeking a pragmatic future in which a newly enfranchised populace of all economic classes would more actively control their governance. While ultimately assassinated, this strategy drastically extended his time in power, lengthening weeks or months into a full five years. Darrow also echoes Caesar situationally when the latter general left the province of Gaul victorious, rich, and loved by the people. The Roman Senate sought to reduce his power by means of indictment as an enemy of the state upon his return to the capital. But because Caesar had earned the allegiance of his troops, instead of surrendering unjustly to defamation and punishment, he implored, but did not command, his 13th legion to follow him across the Rubicon, thereby declaring civil war in Rome. Darrow found himself in a similar bind at the offset of Golden Sun, at which point, rather than accepting defeat, he sows utter chaos, balkanizing gold society into all-consuming conflict. To win over Rome completely, however, Caesar had to defeat Pompey Magnus, who, after decades of military service, remained invictus, unconquered. An adversarial dynamic synonymous with that between Darrow and Magnus Augrimus. But after the downfall of their enemies, Caesar and Darrow alike had to continue struggling to end their respective wars. Caesar wasn't wildly successful in this endeavor, but nor, was, nor did he completely fail. Dark Age Darrow is similarly in limbo, but he has the advantage of still being alive. Let's hope it stays that way. Yes. <laughs> Let's hope. Oh my God. Really my favorite it. fact in there was Lycos translates as wolf. Oh, you didn't know that? I know. No. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. How did you know that? I don't know. I'm it's like a thing people know. Heather told me. Oh, thanks, Heather. <laughs> I know. Once I looked it up, I was like, of course, I've always known that. But no, I definitely didn't notice it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I feel like Darrow being Caesar makes sense because Darrow's such a, you know, big time figure. And obviously Caesar was as well. I like I really like those connections. I was really enjoying the uh, Pegasus perseus andromeda connection uh -huh. watch clash of the titans have you ever seen that it's a really old movie that neither of you have probably ever seen oh not the one with like skinny um they like remade it in the 2000s oh okay not that one not that okay one. <laughs> i watched i've watched them and they're so like the film quality is so oh, yeah so it's low, like got the stop motion monsters and stuff they're like I love oh no i have not seen that oh yeah it's so it's like so bad but uh it's, it's so like... bad <laughs> if you watch it with other people and make fun of it it can be really good i like <laughs> i like doing that i used to love those movies when i was a kid now i watch them and they're just like hilariously bad but um i'm glad you know those heather for sure. What was, what was the connection? Why are you talking about this? Oh, sorry. Clash of the Titans is about Perseus. That's it's about I his see, whole journey, I see. and he like captures Pegasus in the movie, flies him in, and saves Andromeda. Also, um, Howlers, we were reading along with Heather, and Ben and I were shocked when Heather read out loud ancient Greek, which I don't even know. <laughs> like what any of the letters sound I was like, like. I said to Aaron, I was like, I'm glad we brought Heather on for this week because neither we, of us could have figured that out. We would have just, out. you know, melted into a puddle <laughs> at that those words. They are quite a struggle. Don't even get into accents and stressed syllables. 
So awesome. Sure. Well, thank you. That, that was awesome. Thank you so much for all the work. I know. I'm going to be so sad that I'm not going to learn something new every week now. Yeah. Anytime Maybe. you want, just like message us <laughs> fun facts. It doesn't even have to be related to Howler Pod or to Red Rising. Just, you know. Of course. That's what my friends actually asked me to do. I, I'm supposed to send them fun facts and new words of the day. I'm really bad at it, but I'm happy to happy to do that too. <laughs> yeah, fun put us, facts. Put us on my email list that you, yeah. uh, you're starting. Something, when I was doing the research, I was like, I kind of shocked myself by figuring out the connection between Pegasus and Andromeda and all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it feels like it's such a throwaway fact, you know, because it's a fake name, Andromedus. But I thought that was like, one of the most insightful parts of his name. Right. That Pegasus symbology is like really big, especially in the first couple books. Definitely. Yeah. Let's talk Darrow. Darrow. Okay. So what we wanted to ask you about Darrow, um, this whole podcast, we want to kind of talk about like our personal connection to him. Like what personally draws us to Darrow and why we think he's such a great character. Assuming that you like Darrow. <laughs> I love Darrow. Okay. <laughs> My standards are way too high because Darrow is the bar. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's what we wanted to talk about. Like for you specifically, what do you think it is about Darrow or the story of Darrow that draws you to him so much? Well, I think that he it's really fun to see him go from a place of such ignorance to um you know, being such a respectful, knowledgeable, and dynamic human being. And I think that that's all, obviously, that train of thought is really relatable for all human beings because we start out super ignorant and we do our best to acquire knowledge. But I think it's just really cool to see it through Darrow's eyes in such a, in such a novel environment that's still strangely and terrifyingly similar to modern society. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifyingly. Um, so do you, ha- do you have a favorite moment or moments, maybe like a couple, in throughout the series where you were just like, fuck yeah, I love Darrow 110%. <laughs> Literally the entire series, except for maybe Iron Gold because he's such a sad boy then, but... You know, still love him. Still got to empathize. But I definitely love all his references to his Helldiver hands um, because (laughs) he makes them so frequently. And he, for, like, most of the stuff, he's, like, pretty damn humble. And, like, he keeps his mind. It's not, it's nothing like Mustangs, but he's still a genius. So it's super um, fun to see him just, like, you know, slip back into that little ego because all the reaper of mars and the stuff people thinking he believes his own myth like he definitely doesn't he's aware of his mortality and he has his priorities straight even if he can't act on them especially in dark age but Mm -hmm. it's fun fun to see him brag about his hands but like i feel like the part of the books that i love the most is when um darrow like reclaims command of the mission in uh, the beginning of Morningstar because throughout 
like throughout Golden Sun, I mean, it is just like all momentum and I love it. The writing is so cinematic, you know, Pierce is a great writer, shocker, but <laughs> Make it, a drink. It, it's really, really frustrating to see him like um, mess up all of Fitchner's carefully laid plans by, you know, mm-hmm. being the driven arrow that he is and going to for the jugular of Octavia instead of relying on the people around him. And it's cool to see him as an individual um, realize kind of through the jackal's torture that like he can, like he has this um, unique vision that he, he needs to live for, but he can also like respect and trust his friends. I think he, Mm -hmm. he really like owns that in Morningstar And he, like Victor's comment of like grit and vision not being the same thing. I think he he finally understands that and and takes control of the situation while also sharing the burden with his friends. I think that ties in like beautifully with the reason that you like him so much as a character. Like he's learning throughout these books constantly. And that was a huge moment of development for him in Morningstar when he was able to trust his friends uh, for the first time, really. And, I mean, he had multiple moments where he had he had to decide to trust right. new people and, and forge those relationships. And, yeah, I think as much as we all love Darrow, I think it's a great point that, like, the people he surrounds himself with also help him become the man that we, that we love. <laughs> Definitely. Ragnar's attack on Phobos, like that whole, the whole um, chain of events that happens after he mm-hmm. finally steps up to the plate is just so amazing. And I love it. Everything Ragnar. Ragnar does. <laughs> Don't bring up Ragnar. <laughs> I was just listening to that, uh, or while reading that speech that he makes on Phobos again today. And gosh, it's like chills. Yeah. So he's just... He's so good with his words. Like, he's right. a rhetorical genius. And obviously, it comes back. Pierce is a great writer, but I love that. I love reading good writing. And, you know, it's so fun to see, like, his thoughts are backed by the same words that he's saying. And he can, like, flip between what his soldiers need him to be, but also be introspective and, you know, make sure he's not being a complete dick and doing the wrong <laughs> thing because he has too much faith in himself. So. Well, that's what I think is great about Derek. It's like he's always trying, right? Like he never thinks that he's got it figured out. So like it's it's a constant struggle for him, but it's because he knows that I don't have all the answers and I have to continue to like work at this, work at this, work at this. No matter what it is, he's always thinking that, is there a better way to do this? Can I learn something about this um, to make this easier or can I be better at this? And that's one thing that I think is super relatable about him and um, makes me admire him too, you know? It's a great way to be. I definitely think that's one of his most inspiring qualities because like, even if you can't be the physical God that he is the right. and, you know, undergo the carving and not die, you can at least, you know, apply yourself and, and like persevere in the same way he does to break the chains in the society. And I, that's just such an admirable quality. Mm -hmm. Break the chains. (laughs) Just like very well put because he does 
do that. Oh, I mean, constantly. if I if I came out of the box <laughs> and you know got better, I don't know. I might be like, yeah, maybe I can just like hang out with my family now. Yeah. Maybe need more than that one day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, can I chill out? I'm like, gonna need. <laughs> Give me a few years yeah, like, here. Netflix and yeah. <laughs> like the jackal one. I'm good. I'm going to have to get fat and then get skinny again. Like it's going to have to be. Oh, cool, yeah. You know? Go from emaciated <laughs> yeah. to fat first. Um, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Darrow definitely um, is dynamic and has a lot of depth. Um, I also was going to ask Heather, what's like, Obviously, we like Daryl because he's not just, you know, one thing. He's he's also uh, has depth and he's someone that we get angry at and disagree with his decisions and stuff. So has there ever been a point in all the books where you're just like done with Daryl, ready for a new hero? <laughs> okay, well, at the beginning of Red Rising, I was like, this dude is a little egotistical. But, you know, I'm glad that he is really happy with himself also like i mean in the in the conversation with eo you know like i live for you like live for more that obviously right away it's like try to think beyond your dick and you know um (laughs) be a better person but obviously i was just getting into it and i was like no i mean this guy's pretty cool um, and then from that, obviously loved him the entire time. I was really frustrated when he didn't tell Roke at the beginning of Golden Sun, like he, at that time, the first time going through, you know, I really liked Roke and I was like, no, you should trust this man. Like tell him at least you're, you, you would have shot your shot, but instead he just stabs the syringe in him, which was really frustrating. Mm-hmm. And then the, the entire rest of the book where he does not <laughs> confide in Roke, or Mustang, I feel like just, you know, communication could improve. He, we, we know he has the thoughts. We know he's a genius and he has a heart, but it's really hard to see him fail to express that throughout the book. Yeah. But. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. The thing with Roke and even just listening to Harmony at all and like going in with the yeah. bomb, you're like, you're such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so fortunately, he... he came to and didn't make the worst decision but. i do remember being really frustrated on my first that was it was so long ago now but like on my first read of golden sun the fact that he's when you said that like listening to harmony yeah you're like she's that, bad and you know it's early in the books so like whatever he's planning is probably not going to go down like it is but also at the same time you're like you can't do this you can't yeah you're just gonna suicide bomb like what we're better than this Daryl. It's yeah. okay. We've all forgiven him. <laughs> we have. We just need him to grow his hair back. <laughs> radiation. Yeah. Oh, I, I still picture him with hair. <laughs> Man, I'm bad at I I need uh, Miles to draw like the radiation. Irradiated we need a, a picture <laughs> of Darrow every chapter, maybe, because he get he gets shit escalates, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that was one thing Miles definitely mentioned in our last interview is we didn't give him enough work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Heather, Heather said that too. <laughs> so he's listening to this super psyched. <laughs> All right. Our final question. 
we don't really want like any you don't need to get into like long convoluted predictions or anything like that but unless i want you, to unless know you have them. do you think daryl lives or dies in book six okay um i feel like pierce is gonna kill him but in my heart he lives and will always live so I'm right there with Aaron. He cannot die. And if he does, I will be throwing the book on the ground or in a puddle or just like violating it in some horrible way. So, you know. Yeah. I really hate when the main character dies. It's just so dumb. It's like you don't need to prove a point like about right. armor. Like we're all here for Darrow. You don't need to right. kill him to make sure that we understand you're a good storyteller. And I, I think Pierce is a great storyteller, so I don't think he'll necessarily do that just to do it. Right, it's going to be earned if it happens. I think if Darrow died, but then Pierce gave us, like, a Harry Potter type... Is that a spoiler? No. <laughs> <laughs> no everybody knows. <laughs> type, like, you see him when he dies go into like the afterlife and we see him like meet Ragnar and Ragnar shows him the home he built for him. That'd be the only way that I wouldn't be like super depressed. I would fall yeah. my eyes out if <laughs> Definitely lots of tear stains on the book oh for sure. God. Yeah. If Pierce wants to hurt me, that's what he should do. He should he should have Darrow die, but then have Darrow really find peace and have us see that. Yeah, if we get that like post credits kind of like Like in the veil. <laughs> yeah, in the veil. And Ragnar's like What's up, dude? At the house. Oh man, that would just rip me but apart. Then we'd also have to cry for Mustang being by herself. Right. And, and no and Pax. What if everyone died? <laughs> yeah. Just everyone died in a war, nuclear war. <laughs> Exactly. Excellent. Let's call Pierce up. Tell us. We have a plan. You got this figured out. I like this yeah. brainstorm. I mean, I think he's in a good position. Darrow is in a good position to escape and rally. And I feel like that's kind of the the point. Like he, he doesn't die. Like he's got such a long, strong life force. And I feel like Dark Age has been such, you know, a blow in every possible way that I I don't think Pierce would kill us with such a traumatic death in book That's six. Fine. I feel like I'm optimistic about book six because I mean it can't go any worse. Right. Like it like we already have gone through <laughs> the crucible. I feel like we've already gone through like the depths, you know? Right. And now we're we're on our way back up. And Heather's just about to reread the Day of Red Dove. So yeah. <laughs> you're about to go back into the depths. Good luck. <laughs> I was like, I was telling my mom, I feel so much better this reread. Like I'm not super depressed, but this is why. It's because I haven't gotten to <laughs> Yeah, it's like you think about where you're at in the book and then there's like five other terrible things that are going to happen after that too. So... Looking Good luck. Let it. us know if you need our support. Yeah. We're here for you. I'm sure. Thank you. <laughs> Just thinking about Ephraim right now. I'm really depressed. Just don't think now about it. Yeah. Charge ahead. We're sending mindlessly. some virtual hugs your way. Yes. yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. 
that's it. We did it. Let me be the first to say, Heather, thank you so much. Like this has been You're our MVP. Amazing. It's been so great to work with you. We I've never so liked history so much. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm so thankful you reached out to us and I can't say enough about how amazing you are. We appreciate it. You guys are amazing and you make a dark age less depressing. <laughs> and I just am so glad that Howlerpod exists because really um, dug me out of the depths of depression last time, and I'm sure it'll do the same this time. Always we happy. Hope so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, once uh, we get more books, we'll have to have you back. Yes, we'll have you back for, I will for be back sure. After. I was starting to think about like super minor characters because I. With my very little knowledge of ancient Greek, I was starting to pick up some smaller details that I missed last time with only Latin. So I'm sure I'll have oh. new takes for you guys. Nice. <laughs> Let's go back through all the characters. <laughs> well, I was thinking like we'll eventually, once book six comes out, we'll probably have to refresh some of those episodes. Oh, yeah. A little bit. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Because we'll know more and we don't want to sound like idiots. <laughs> exactly. want to do all those minor character portraits too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we got to put Miles back to work. you hear that, Miles? <laughs> <laughs> you can thank Heather for that one. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Heather. Oh, my God. I love her so much. She's the best. Do you think she would be okay with us like moving in with her? And at, just at Princeton, I was thinking more like at home because her mom <laughs> has a pool. That's true. We should, and go. I'm like really into people who have pools. She can go to a way to a college. We'll go up to Seattle. We'll live with her mom. We'll live with her mom. <laughs> we'll hang out at the pool. There's like a there's like a it's like a public pool thing with like a sauna and stuff. Right, and then once Heather comes back, we're like, what's up? Oh hey, we're best friends with your mom now. <laughs> so we're basically like siblings. <laughs> we're part of the family. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm in. Sorry, Heather. It got creepy, but we love you so much and we wish you the super best. I mean, you're already way ahead of most people. <laughs> you're so fucking smart. Thank yes. you so much. Enjoy your time at college this semester. All right. Let's move on to our next interview. Okay, next up, we have a very special guest with us. We have Logan from Zeph Barbecue. What's up, um, Logan? In okay. California. What's uh, up? <laughs> Welcome. Dream, trying to be that Orient life, trying to rise so high, not lie much. <laughs> <laughs> How is the West Coast? Were you able to see the convergence a little better than we were? I mean, like so-so. It really wasn't anything. It was cloudy where I lived that night. And so just like, uh, I, like, I love crystals just as much as the next person, but it just wasn't my jam. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I was really excited all day. And then I, I remember I walked out and I was like, oh. Just looks like stars. I was like, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, unless you have like a telescope, I feel you can't really, right. can't really see anything like hey. that amazing. That's when I started. Like, I was like, I just looked it up online on my computer. and I thought you had a telescope. Mine's like a 50 power, so you can't see. It just looks like okay. a, it's a, it's a slightly larger white dot. You up your game. Yeah, I definitely it's, think it's more of like a, Ben is on to something, though, with the just Google it <laughs> because I'm in that yeah. camp for sure. Right. That's what I did. I just look like I used one of the observatories. 
yeah, obviously. And it was like way better. <laughs> obviously, that's going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> Man, don't work harder, work smarter. No. <laughs> I was like, this is actually interesting. It's cool to think about like the planets circling, but that's about it. It's cool to think about how insignificant and small I am. True. And how when the <laughs> planets line up, half of us turn to werewolves. <laughs> yeah. I wish. The conspiracy corner is going hard already. Actually, I've always been team vampire, not gonna lie, but I would take either. I just like the immortality aspect. Are werewolves immortal? No. I'm saying uh, vampires are. Oh, okay. I'm going to style Aaron Team Edward all day. Not going to lie. <laughs> I read those books. Don't even... Oh, we got... It's going to be weird. Here. I'm not even shit. ashamed to, like, tell people that... Oh, Neither am I. I like Twilight. And I mean the books. I mean, <laughs> also, I, I'll rewatch the movies. I don't care. Okay. Logan. Are we starting a Twilight podcast yes. with Logan next? I don't want to ruin Logan's... <laughs> reputation so let's let's dive in to give us a little blurb who are you and tell us about your barbecue so i'm a guy that likes cooking brisket um i live in southern california in a place called simi valley we're basically kind of like a suburb outside of los angeles um we do some work in los angeles we do it here in ventura county but we mostly do it here in simi valley um i have a long-standing history in the culinary field i was a chef for a long time Worked all across the country from L.A. to San Francisco to Kentucky to Ohio to Texas, Florida, Monterey, San Diego, Chicago, and then back home. Um, lost wow. my job. Where in the world is... <laughs> I always said people on my family, but I'm like, I've been to Tijuana. <laughs> but I've lived in a lot of weird places in the United States. Um, nice. My daughter was born in Louisville, Kentucky. That's where I met my wife. Um, and then we are currently residing in Simi Valley because we both lost our jobs to COVID in oh, March. No. Oh, I mean, at the time, yes. Oh, no. But now I really get to do what I love. And a lot of my strong work back in my day was fine dining. A lot of tweezers, a lot of foams, you know, cut white clo- coats, like Gordon Ramsay wow, shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, just a lot. If you guys ever watch like <laughs> Chef's Table, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. not that level because those guys are gods, but close to that. Right. Did you wear like the mushroom cap? No, it's called a toque. Like Chef cap. Boy RD. <laughs> I never got the mushroom cap. I, was never I never got cool enough. So when we moved back here to see me, we actually had to live with my parents for like four months. And that was mm-hmm. extremely, I mean, I wouldn't call it humiliating, but it definitely humbles you very quickly. And with right. the demographic around here, we're not going to be able to sell, you know, 14 course tasting menus and fucking like... Watch ways and Valentine's and shit. So and with COVID, you know that, that restricts. Yeah, you know your customers too. Well, especially in California because it's so like up in the air every single day. That's what makes right. it hard here in California. Yeah. But we started this like curbside pickup barbecue business out of my parents' garage, and it's just like taken it's, off. It's been it's been wild. It's been extremely humbling because it doesn't always have to be tiny touches. I mean, I'm just I'm just fabricating fucking fat hunks of meat now you know <laughs> so it's like it's crazy um but our menus span from it's not just texas barbecue it goes all the way to curries it goes to to thailand to laos it goes to south africa it goes to the middle east from italy like all the way back like there's nothing we haven't done through the helm of like Zeph barbecue so far one it's right. a way to educate people in the area about cultural food and two way to make me fucking money because ain't no one buying that shit anywhere else (laughs) Um, man i am so excited to 
be able to come out there and eat some barbecue. Aren't you like you're like switching that menu up constantly week, too, aren't you? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, I check out your menu whenever you post it. I'm just like, this looks amazing. And then I pull it. <laughs> we love barbecue. I bet you guys are from KC, yeah. Yeah, I mean we're Kansas City yeah. people, so like barbecue is our thing here for sure. One of my really good yeah. friends that I barbecue with a lot um he's from kansas city and we always talk shit to each other because he's like like kansas city <laughs> california like yeah. barbecue and then i'm like texas california psychopath barbecue and so like for christmas <laughs> i had like six ducks hanging in my garage drying and people would walk by the garage and people were just like what the fuck is going on they're like <laughs> uh, that's a serial killer but everyone, I'll get killed for this in Kansas City, but I think Texas definitely does better brisket than us for sure. Oh man, where? where? <laughs> okay, never been to Kansas City. Spent like three weeks in Dallas. I've I've never had brisket in Texas. I've never cooked barbecue in Texas. I've never eaten barbecue in Texas. So this was all kind of just like Texas style is better though oh, than ours. Sure, I would say. Yeah. and I have a big five hundred. I don't even know the difference. I just I like. <laughs> all food so like i'm sure i will like well you know any barbecue when we have howler con in my backyard in 2025 i will cook for everybody we'll round them all up okay hopefully pierce brown pierce brown if you're listening please come um (laughs) but we'll have a great he's already i love that nice man what was it about like were you already into barbecue or was this just like how did you get on barbecue so it was it was more of like a hobby right and when we were in Mm -hmm. Chicago, long story for a short story. Um, we were in Chicago. I started selling it out of my backyard through this app called Schmiel. And obviously, the culinary laws and regulations are a lot different in Sh- Illinois than it is in California. So we, oh, there was yeah. an app that was coming up. These guys saw me cooking out my backyard, anyways. And so I was like one of the first ones to start selling. And it was like eight bucks a plate. I keep seven, they keep one. And it kind of took off to like, I would start selling during Cubs games in the backyard and I would sell out in like 20 minutes. I was only cooking like a brisket, you know, like two racks of ribs. And now I'm cooking, you know, 12 brisket and like 35 racks of ribs every weekend on top of all the other shit. (laughs) (laughs) We've done like one. (laughs) Well, you should also see... It's 9.30 at night here, but I'm hungry. (laughs) you You should also see the fucking cooker I have in my driveway though. It's a 500 gallon offset. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fucking huge. <laughs> I could fit 25 brisket in it, 60 racks of ribs, like 120 chicken, but yeah, it runs off all Oak, only white Oak in this business. Um, I use maple for the Turkey and the chicken. <laughs> yeah. Bob and Adrius steal that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something about the, the pulls up, but wood and how there was no wood on mercury because of logan's barbecue (laughs) (laughs) okay well we brought you here because you love red rising Mm -hmm. um pierce brown is obviously your best friend let's talk about when you first met pierce and tell us your experience the love of my life (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean you guys do look great together honestly you do look great together like you both look so Dude, happy he, he's and he's one of the cool i mean we'll, okay we'll get to it he's more time swooning than anything else no so um my buddy aaron and i um high school buddies we wrestled together we've been going to comic-con together for the past like four or five years and we've always been like it's that was like our summer thing, he works in the military. He's a lieutenant in the Navy. I, like, I was an executive sous chef. 
but we always made the carve out that weekend to go to like Comic-Con. He lives there, so it's always easy to get down there. And uh, so we went, it was the second year we went, third year. Um, and actually the first day we went, we went as a Street Fighter and I went as Akuma and then he went as Ken and then his wife went as Chun-Li. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fat nerd. Like don't even like trip on the barbecue and all the tattoos. Like dude, I am the biggest fucking- like, I was about to ask if you'd ever dressed up. So there's my answer. Yo, Dan, you want to talk about Star Wars? I got you. Aaron, you want to talk about Bridgerton? I got you. Let's fucking go. Yes! <laughs> Yes. We will circle around. Somehow we you're, you're the first man that has said that to me because every other man is like shunning me from Bridgerton. We'll circle back to the Bridgerton story because that one's pretty good too. <laughs> it's I mean it's really really anticlimactic like a lot of my stories, but anyways, <laughs> at Comic Con and I had signed up to get the first like one of the first copies of of Dark Age, and it had just come out. You had to get it like exclusively. You had to go get a ticket. So I got the ticket the first mm -hmm. day. Um, so what we always do, we always dress up on Saturday because that's when it's crazy. People want to take pictures. We don't even go into the main hall. And then we go in like normal clothes on Sunday. And then we we walk all the, the places and grab all the comics and shit. I've never been yeah, to Comic-Con. Yeah. It's a it's, a, it's a once in a lifetime experience. It's it's fantastic. And so I Aaron dropped me off at like six o'clock in the morning. So I get in the beginning of the line just to get into the auditorium. And even though we all had 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 uh, been given tickets the day before, they came with the book, they like, come back and it's, but Delray had like a booth and they were cycling through their, their like hot, um, he is very hot, but they were cycling through his like, <laughs> their, like hot like, authors. <laughs> and so he was the first one that morning. And so I was like, I show up to the oh, booth. Oh shit. Oh yeah, he was the first one. I show up to the booth and I'm nice. fucking like, doing circles and all of a sudden like I see people like creeping in also holding the book I'm like oh motherfuckers like but there's no start to the line because it like the yeah. person comes out with the totem pole and they lead you in I was like shit so I'm like <laughs> circling like a shark and my buddy Aaron had left to go uh do something he went to, he went to go take a piss or something and I'm like waiting I'm waiting and all of a sudden they come out with the fucking the uh the totem and they're like walking around and they stop like right behind me I'm like fuck like i am the last person in line for fucking oh, pierce yeah. brown i was like this is fucking i was like whatever i'll wait here for the next like fucking three hours blah 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 so he comes out yeah. i'm actually the first person in line so he turns oh, to me <laughs> he turns to me and he's like what's up bro i was like i, I, was, I was like <laughs> i i think i was gonna have to talk to you for like three hours i was gonna, I was gonna be more prepared and he was just super fucking cool and he was awesome, and I'd already like mm -hmm. pissed through, because I'm like Ben, like I like I speed read, like I get the book, mm -hmm. I like I fucking like rush through, I'm just like burning through chapters, and him and I talk mm -hmm. about like the prologue, which was fucking one of my favorite chapters in the book, yeah. and it was Except just I'm getting like short breath right now, <laughs> just getting all, but I was just, <laughs> dude, he was just super fucking cool, cause like he like yeah. he called me little rags at the time I was like weightlifting super heavy to have nice. like the upper body of Akuma. I wore like a tank top oh. that day and he was like you know right. next time i see you i expect yeah. like 30 golden scalps for the volaris clan i was just like oh oh my heart <laughs> like, oh my god and he was You're like i am baby rag and so the dude behind me in the line was and what was cool about that too is like i got him super fresh he wasn't burnt out like he had just come out from behind yeah. the door i mean you guys saw the pictures like he was like just stoked to be yeah. there and like excited. No bullshit. Like when he came out, when that entire line fucking howled, it was 
unfucking real. Like, dude, how? Oh, that gave me chills. <laughs> it was awesome. because like Comic Con is so fucking packed, you know. And there's so many people, yeah. and, like, right? Like, and everyone's like, "Who's howling?" Literally, and like everyone else got quiet for like half a second in that like area of the auditorium. It was like, oh, oh fuck you. Nice. And so like I got that a couple pictures. Make an impact. I love right. That. It was a huge impact. I mean, I already loved the books, but like doing that was just yeah. like fucking was like solidified it in. And so yeah. he, uh, like I finished up with him and like the dude behind me took like the, the picture of me hugging him. And then I went to go walk away and my friend Aaron comes back. He's like, oh dude, what happened? Blah, blah. I was like, well, I got fucking, you know, like I got signed. I took a picture. He's like, oh, well just stand in front of the the, the panel and I'll take a picture. You I was like, oh, dope. So I stood in front of the panel and then he gets up and like walks behind me and like pretends to be like a zombie. <laughs> and I'm just like, bro, could you be, can we be fucking cool? Like, it was like, get out of my photo, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was, it was, and I've met some other like Loki, like Jonathan Mayberry and um, a couple of authors. I mean, cause there's a big author mm-hmm. community in San Diego, which is crazy. And um, there's a bookstore there called Galaxy Mystery Books. If you're in San Diego there, it's an old school store. Uh, book store support local boot books fuck amazon don't tell jeff bezos but <laughs> it's just it was it's a really cool community but like that was like top notch he was just he was just super fucking cool and just about it and stuff and just like i just like wanted to go back and like hug him again and that was the other thing too like i committed to pick him up carry boy <laughs> maybe but like i committed <laughs> to the hug and like i didn't know how he was gonna react but like i don't i was like i don't know if i'll ever get this chance again so go for the gusto right. And he, like, <laughs> bro, I'm touching you. Yeah. And it's so weird looking back at those pictures too. So now I'm like, where's my mask? And why wouldn't like why would I touch him? I know. Crazy. I know, it's so crazy. So I'll yeah. never be able to the do that again. <laughs> well, maybe in a few years. We're glad that at you were the, able to the backyard party when you had the chance. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And those are timeless. If it makes you feel any memories. better, we also made fools of ourselves when we met Pierce. So Oh my god, I was so sweaty. And I'm like Aaron's just like, I'm sweating so, so sweaty. Much. And I was like, it's I was I was like, it is so hot in here. It's like it's a regular time. I'm like, I need to take my shirt off. I'm so sweaty. And everyone's like, it's fine. It's really I don't know. I was having like hot flashes. It really is. He's the dopest fucking guy. And like I told my buddy Aaron, I'm like, it just made loving the series so much better because Yeah. He's, he's not an asshole. And he's also only like a year older than us. Yeah. Right, Just right. Like, God damn, what am I doing with my life with brisket? <laughs> <laughs> but no, he was he was dope. And then like I posted the pictures of him, and he like we messaged back and forth for, like like maybe like ten minutes, and it was just like he's yeah. dude, he's just he's fucking sick with it. Like, let me tell you about my best friend. I wish. I mean, if you guys are howler like two and three, then I'm like howler maybe, howler maybe like. 55 but i'm still okay with that <laughs> <laughs> hey we just assign them to whoever we want so <laughs> yeah. okay so we already know that you suffer from lsd um <laughs> not, <a good> one. <laughs> not, the, not the fun one yeah we wanted to bring you on to talk about darrow but this is actually an intervention logan yes damn i fucking knew it i told my wife i was like i'm not even talking about darrow why do you think i've been skirting around kidding. for the last 30 minutes <laughs> i've been avoiding this. our interventions are not to the point <laughs> we just want to make sure you're really comfortable first. yes Surprise! <laughs> All right, so let me have it. <laughs> kidding, 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 kidding. We actually have no like 
path to recovery from LSD. <laughs> yeah, we never really thought it through. We got, we got the business model, and there's a mix of yeah. We're 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 halfway there. Pretty pretty much get it. Give us money, and we'll figure it out. I think is the plan. Oh, money! Yeah, you nice. have to pay for it for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. So once yeah, once we get some money, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Miles and I are probably going to be in the same LSD class. I'm I'm telling you right now. Him and I have had some conversations. <laughs> He probably hasn't told you guys about, but okay. Miles. <laughs> wow, Miles. All right. We'll we already we already threatened him while we were talking to Heather that we're gonna give him more work. So <laughs> and <laughs> the thing and I, I mean we'll get off a of life center in a second, but like I feel like a lot of people hate him because of one Alexander, which like I fucking right. like I get like yo, like I get it. Like y'all were like yeah. that's his heel turn. I mean, like Alexander was going to be the next Darrow. But that's just like how Pierce Brown fucking rolls in, in the live end. Yeah, it's like right. Serafino is going to be the next, you know, queen to the empire probably with Lysander and connect the two to, to the rim to the core. Nope. Fuck you. Who knows who <laughs> Tungless is? Tungless could have been like some fucking like, like obsidian god. He, he could be like he is. real father. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's, he is an obsidian god. I'm glad someone is on my side. No, no bullshit. Dude, it's in the first fucking chapter. And I'm like, the fuck? You guys, like, you wrote about this dude for how long and how intricate he was. And we right. got an obsidian back. And I don't know how this kind of I need to a know his cry fest into a tongueless cry fest, but I'm happy we're here. But, like, <laughs> tongue, I mean, who knows who he was? I mean, obviously, they're both dead, too. That's the other thing about Pierce. Like, they, they sneak back. They, like, you know, they do the fucking Cassius yeah. and they sneak back right down. Yeah. But like, right. they legit... <laughs> I don't think either of them are sneaking back. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I feel like I'm the only person on the earth that does not care about Tongueless. Yeah, I, it's upsetting. I think you don't care about him because I care so much. That's probably, it's probably driven me in that. Yeah. That way, for sure. Because you care so much about it. So the reason... uh for the podcast today is of course our main man darrow yes. so we wanted to ask you um are you a darrow fan and if so <laughs> of course why like why do you like him why is he important to you personally yeah so like the idea of our podcast here today we've talked to heather already and aaron and i will talk about it a little bit later mm-hmm. i just want to establish like what is it personally for you about Darrow that makes him such a great character why do you connect with him so much in this story I mean it's that's that is like that is a massive question I mean because like if anyone I mean if anyone's here they're here for Darrow like truly like the first three books are about him and I don't I mean correct me if I'm wrong and I've read a lot and I'm sure you guys have too but there hasn't been like a story arc as like volatile and emotional as Darrow's I mean my like my buddy Jared in, in that that group that book club, he talks about there, there's like four, fa- four phases of Darrow, right? There's a red Darrow, there's a gold Darrow, which is pre-box, and there's a post Darrow, which is box, and then there's the Reaper. So there, there's yeah. there's four different Darrows, right? And he starts as this boy that we all like. It's such a story about falling from innocence as it is about like anything else, because I mean this dude just like wanted to fucking live his life and he just wanted to have kids and like if you watch bridgerton you know that these cast systems focus around fucking having kids yes no spoilers 
Uh, but no, but like literally, and I know we talked a lot about like tongueless and like heart ripping parts. When he sits in that fucking garage with Harmony, and she mm-hmm. plays back the fucking the the recording of Eo and D- Dio, right? Yeah, Dio, yeah, Dio. yeah, yeah. On the scaffolding, and he this entire time he's been so confused why he was the last one called. Like, why why didn't Eo want to talk to me? Like, I'm gonna pull her feet. She's the I'm the reason why she's being fucking hung. Why would she call me? Mm-hmm. And then literally, you're like a book and a half later. And all of a sudden, it should just like, fucking pulls your heart out from underneath your asshole. It just, it just like that was that was. And then he turns around and fucking walks into the gala, and it's just like, fuck you, Cassius. What up, bro? Like, step. <laughs> like, that is the most gangster shit. Roller coaster, yeah. That chapter, that chapter like solidified like my love for Iron Gold. That like fucking walk into like the gala gala was fucking Perfect. insane. Oh, for Golden Sun? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It was chapter yeah, yeah, 12 or yeah. something. Yeah, chapter 12. Yeah. But pre that, I mean, it's just it's just a dude just trying to fucking win. Trying to win for his wife, trying to win for himself, trying to win for his people. I feel like we get wrapped mm-hmm. up so much in these little intricacies of our life, and we're always trying to like win for somebody or win for something. And Daryl really mm-hmm. like personifies that. Not only does he like <clears throat> go the step but he goes the extra fucking like marathon and then he goes on the fucking rocket ship and then he goes out into space. Like he's come so far from being a hell diver of Lycos to being Darrow. Oh, Lycos hashtag fucking Reaper hashtag fucking gold hunter hashtag the baddest motherfucker in all the world. You know, like it's just <laughs> watch him grow from that and his experiences yeah. in the Institute, the Academy, his life with the Augustans and with, Mustang and then being in the fucking box. Th- those chapters give me fucking nightmares. That is the, the, box chapters. the worst punishment. I don't know where Pierce Brown, but I want to I want to talk to his shrink He's because domestic. that motherfucker better have loads of notes. <laughs> because that <laughs> and Victor's incarceration in the white box is like mm-hmm. it's man, that's a year of that shit. And he comes out and all these people are expecting of him and all these people want him to be this fucking golden god that he was and he's this shriveled fucking being. You know, and then fucking Trey gets killed. He comes back, him and Sever just aren't fucking seeing eye to eye. He's got to work himself up. And he's just, dude, he's just a normal dude. For me, that that pulled so hard at my heartstrings because I'm such a fan of of like, like hero stories. I love Superman. Mm-hmm. I love fucking Batman. Like I love like the good guy coming out on the end. Like I love that shit. And to see him just stripped of everything and then come back a little bit and then come back a little more and then come back a little more and just like completely come back at the end of the story and reach so much further to free the obsidians and not just res and, and the whole cast system. You know, like I say, like he didn't just like make it. He didn't just do it. He, he did the whole fucking thing. <laughs> he, he ran the whole fucking race. Those are um, great points about why Darrow is an important character for you obviously he's important to all of us for probably many of the same reasons but Mm -hmm. you know everyone has their unique take on their own character i think as the protagonist especially in the first series we kind of see ourselves in daryl so then our interpretations become personal so Mm -hmm. it's great to hear, hear from your point of view so let's move on to like the like one of your top moments, obviously you probably have a lot, but what's like a Darrow moment that really stands out and is super memorable for you? 
I mean, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's three that are like big, but there's like one specific one. Like my three is obviously the Gala Gala, which I think was just like hype beyond hype. Yes. Um, uh, my, one of my first is like at the wall of Heli- Heliopolis before he gets almost pinned down by, by fear. And he mm-hmm. just goes fucking berserk. And it's just like <laughs> bouncing around. It's like snorting stem packs and shit. And then. Let's go. Light, right? And then blowing up the docks was like huge to me. And especially oh. after Rogue Dying. Yeah, that was like a really big turning point. And then like honorable mention like is. Darrow being a bad guy moment. Gangster. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the Dude. only life center fan ever. Do, do it has to be done. You're ruthless, man. I want to hear this. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear about that. And then honorable mention is his time with Dago, like smoking okay. the burner and like remeet. Yeah. Like that oh, part yeah. is just so like. I almost well, said like, Dago how- Dago, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just like that's it's so far. Yeah. yeah, and it, it's like it just circles in on itself too because he like gives him his fucking dirt and it's oh, just like yeah, well, and, like. He, he goes to talk like more shit to him and he just like blows smoke in his face like he's like 16 again. It's just like, damn, dude, that's wild. And you know he didn't make it back to Mars. You no. know he, he probably didn't yeah. make it out of the week. Pretty sure he has a pull up his butt. Oh. It, that's the least of his worries. I, hope he died. I would hope for a quicker death than that. I want to hear I want to hear about this blowing up the docks. Right. So oh. why is this like what is this a, what makes that a standout moment to you? Like why is it so important to you? So also another unpopular opinion. Um, I don't think Rokes as bad as everyone thinks he is. Oh, we have got a double whammy. <laughs> I know. Okay, I get it. There's Rokes and Lysander. I, I was waiting for this shit too. I was like, I'm not gonna talk about that, but I mean, we're already here. But here we are. Wow. I mean, Explain I mean, honestly, yourself. Let's hear it. <laughs> Rokes to me is one of those people like. It's just like I talked about, like, Lysander, where Roke, in his mind, if you're looking from his point of view, yes, he's a space racist. Yes, he's a piece of shit. Yes, he is, like, way too in love with the Gold Society. I mean, mm-hmm. truly, he is, like, I feel like he's more of a space racist than Lysander is. Because at least Lysander is, like, okay. For sure. Yeah, you know, like, I'm going to try to help the Reds in the desert. I'm going to, like, you know, he spent time with the Raws, so he's, like, okay, like, let's try to figure out how we can combine the right. fealty of the Raws and, like, the intensity of the society and like let's make it one let's like let's yeah. really like work on this where rogue was just like no fuck you like i'm racist as fuck like <laughs> for my team and so that like tangible and just like see rogue be not vulnerable but so proud that he like he's like i am not being taken prisoner i'm not fucking being touched like i am i am up here you are still down Logan, yeah. this yeah. sounds like a favorite Roke moment <laughs> and not a favorite Sarah moment. We're like, we're like, I'm, I'm building up to it. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> he's he's, he's me. Let, me, let me praise it. Let me praise it. Um, so like all, all this shit happens and you have Darrow and after Roke dies, like Darrow is like literally distraught. And in that moment, it doesn't matter what the fuck, he's already thinking to the future. He's already thinking like 50 years down the line. He's already trying to plan not only for himself and his family, but for his people, you know? Mm-hmm. So to me, to lose one of your best friends, and that that chapter is just, um, like, drips with emotion, just mm-hmm. everything. And, like, even Steffi coming up and being like, oh, this was your this was your friend, and, like, make sure he sees the, the other life, so, like, close your eyes. And, like, even that sentence where it talks about he, like, unscrews his gauntlet. Like, even stuff like that, he didn't have to put in the chapter because we mm-hmm. automatically 
connotate that with reading. But like shit like that, you're just like, oh my fucking God, like this poor bastard. Let's fucking blow up the docks though. Because he is so <laughs> entrenched in war. Yeah. And that just like leads, I think that's a very culmi- culminating moment because then we lead into like Iron Gold and then like Dark Age Darrow, which is like we talked about where like it's like you have these Hard four stages. Of- yeah, like you go from Red Darrow, Gold Darrow, Post Box Gold Darrow to fucking Reaper real quick. Yeah. And yeah. he like, I feel like at that moment, even after finding out about baby packs, even after marrying Mustang and everything else, that moment was so defining for himself. Because without that, without long. that rope, yeah, yeah, it's like it's for the long play, right? Without that rope moment, he would have never made it to the Wall of Healy office. He would have yeah. never made it to the Ash Lord's the side of the Ash Lord's bed. You know, he mm-hmm. he wouldn't be the Reaper. He would just yeah. kept going going on being, you know, the Primus. And that's a very long winded way to say that, like. That's a it, it was a fucking breaking moment for him. Right. And yeah, he's still I, I think of that when we were like picking top moments. Cause like in you know, in my memory, I think of it as like a bad thing that Darrow did, but right. you know, obviously yeah. <laughs> he killed everyone, Logan. <laughs> but no, I mean obviously he's thinking character. of he's thinking of the future, but he's also like really getting his hands dirty while he's and doing the fact it. that he's the person that decides that he has to carry that weight you know mm-hmm. like that to me is incredibly admirable about about well, Darrow. He, he shared the load darling well he does yeah oh, yeah that and that's part of his journey in morningstar that we kind of talked about with heather where um she loved how he learned and started to bring on his friends um and trust them mm-hmm. so in that moment we see him learning and learning how to trust his friends letting them share the load but at the same time like Daryl's the person he's making that choice in that moment and he's saying like i'm doing this i'm killing millions to save billions and i'm gonna be the person that's gonna have to bear that guilt my entire life i'm the only person that's strong enough to carry that you know have you seen that video of that team Murdering's heavy stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, psychopath. <laughs> He's like crossfighting oh, no. so high. Murdering's heavy stuff, man. I would have said really that arrow right before it like arrow. I feel very attacked now. <laughs> no, and the other thing too, like, you gotta remember, he had just given up thousands of sons of Aries too. Yeah, like he had yeah. literally handed them over. So, like, all of them, all the the outer rim i feel like there was so much build-up in that book to that point and yeah okay don't get me wrong they get to kill octavia but you know they get to the dragon's maw that entire like third act of the book is just fucking like buck wild but that second finally (laughs) (laughs) but like the second act is just that culmination at the end and and with running the obsidians through the walls and fucking like you know just just the insanity that was probably ensued and to take it a step further, like that's what fucks everybody in in Dark Age, like truly, yeah. like it, it it comes back around, and all of a yeah. sudden, Dido ha- Dio has this this I, I always call it a holocron, but it, yeah, <laughs> and gets it, you don't, I don't get it. <laughs> it's a it's a Sith like antique. It, it's okay. Oh, back to Star um, Wars, cool. <laughs> yay! You got Sith at least. That's there I'm you go. Are you kidding me? That's like the main <laughs> thing. Okay. Know. 
I'm not like that removed from Star Wars. You were calling I'm him just lightning not a fingers. No, lightning bolt guy <laughs> is my nickname <laughs> for lightning bolt guy. I actually don't remember his real name. <laughs> Anyways. Palpatine. Palpatine. But yeah, so but that's why that I mean everyone's gonna love the Gaul scene because that's like such a gangster scene where like mm-hmm. well I really do have a trend of like him being a bad guy, but it's like him coming back after the bullshit with her uh harmony right. and like coming back and like making that that decision. And once again, like it's another pivotal moment, but like on the side of good so and so. And like I was the biggest fanboy and I've read enough anime and I've watched enough cartoons that when he stood up and he was like, I didn't come here to fucking die. And Cass like, what the fuck? And he's like whipping his head or like I pictured in my mind in like anime form of these yeah, yeah. him just being like, what? And <laughs> them just fucking bang. And then he takes his arm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's and, that's one of our not spoiler alert, it's one of our top moments. Right. Very cinematic. It's gonna be so amazing once we finally get it on screen. Pierce. Ahem. That is one like I'm really looking yeah, forward to. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I want to see Nero like you know cut the cheek and like oh i want to see nero the blood and like right that whole that whole yeah. scene like as like because <laughs> i wrestled in high school and i fought mma and stuff like that whole scene of just like that honor like literally before you step in the ring and like yeah. cutting the cheek and just like yeah. many people haven't seen this for 500 years it's like <laughs> oh fuck dude he's like <laughs> yeah. a super fan he's about to fucking wild out like, <laughs> bitch this is historical <laughs> and then even leading into this it's like yeah it's oh funny. man the benediction that Nero and Daryl like do back and forth, where he's like, "You rise, man of Mars." I'm just like, I'm glad rise. He <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like, you at that point, you know. We and got it's another rise. <laughs> it's in the snow, and it's like I, I know. Like, I can hear the silent like footsteps and like the sweep right. of the swords. Like, like it's all in my mind. But yours is yeah. probably real people. Mine's an anime form, and that's totally cool. <laughs> I love it. We have talked about Logan's favorite daryl moments all right so we're gonna put you on the spot with our final question here does daryl live or die in book six dies he dies no hesitation he he, he has to it, it's just there was a person that called in on your guys' show i, I have no clue when because i binged all your guys' shit like literally in like two weeks but there was there was a dude that wrote in and he was like the perfect ending would be like we would because pierce is such a tricky motherfucker uh-huh. we wouldn't know it and it would cut to a chapter and it would be him like walking along water or like like think of, like gladiator like every time he thinks he's about to die and he like brushes the the wheat yeah, it's yeah. gonna be like that and then all of a sudden he sees like you know like uncle Nero, and he sees fucking dancer and he sees daxo and he sees yeah. fucking like we're all back these to the veil. Oh, we just talked yeah. about heather had a similar prediction i feel like it was my idea oh, <laughs> oh, okay we talked about it with heather sorry but it's like that I mean, that would be fucking dope. And he's like going down all these people and he's meeting all these people that have been, he meets Roke. He meets fucking like these people that he like pushed aside or crumbled or, or fucking yeah. like defeated. And he like walks past his like father and then he fucking like runs into EO and you're just like, <laughs> that's it. No more Cut it off. Man, I'm about to start crying right now. As long as Ragnar built his house. That's what we were saying. That's what we were saying. I was like, we were saying like he needs to show up in the veil and and Ragnar's Ragnar's got the house built. I built you a house. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) God. Yeah, exactly. That would be sick. EO comes out the front door with like their unborn child. 
And Ragnar like, said something great, like I, I am a builder or something. You know? <laughs> in both. I was not in the real world, but I've built now. Like something yeah, just like, exactly. like I used to I used to tear down, but now I build. It's like a I fucking feel, mansion. As as lovely as this moment is, I still want him to live. But I like that you're not just you're not saying he just dies. Right. He dies and is redeemed. Yeah. You know, I I would I would be okay with Logan's version of of the death of Darrow. He's such a. Like, I could accept it. He's such a. Tortured, I appreciate that because I know. Yeah. You don't normally. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a tortured, tragic character. Like, I would be surprised if he doesn't die. I mean, I don't want him to, but I mean, I would be surprised if he doesn't. I, I would just be, feel I like would... him dying is like Pierce killing all of us. I don't know, but we got You like always trust Pierce. Pierce knows what he's doing. I like do, he's going to lead you to a place where it's going to mean something to you. So like it's gonna, it's gonna be so affecting and it's gonna be so emotional. Like no pressure. If he does decide to do Daryl, like I know Pierce is gonna do that right in a way that feels right. And we didn't so, even talk about like how he might die. We just right. talked about him dying. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's just, so like, many ways he might the die. Spider yeah. web of how he could die. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't even know where he's headed right now. He, he, like you said earlier, he could already be dead. (laughs) And it's and it's literally just Severo's mushroom trip at the institute, dude. How dope would that be? This book is like blank pages, and the last page just like it was all a dream. Severo just sitting there eating mushrooms and shit. Yeah, that'd be fucking wild. God spread. I would definitely be upset if that. that I'd be. I would not be happy. <laughs> no. Shut down the podcast. We're talking about Harry Potter now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I've got some Brent Weeks books lined up. Let's talk about Bridgerton. Yeah. We can, <laughs> we can switch I, over to Bridgerton. I don't know if I want to actually read those books or not. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> boring. Okay. Oh, no. Well, Logan, it was such a pleasure to meet you face to face almost. So close. <laughs> um thanks for your input and thank you for loving this series so much you know yeah. i think i think you reflect what many of us yes, feel we love your enthusiasm and thank you so much for reaching out to us this is really fun <laughs> yeah no for sure and thank you guys for like giving back to the community and like starting something out for something that was so small in the beginning and now you guys are growing you guys are developing into something there's like the community you guys have built just like on instagram alone is just fantastic like the people have met because of you guys, just about Red Rising is fucking is is awesome. Hopefully, so. too. After this, thank you, man. You're gonna get even more friends at Zeph underscore Hawaiian. Yes, and like, go look oh, at this man's goodness. food pictures. You're so good at Instagram, by the way. Like, I'm so jealous of how good you are. Yeah, you're like well, a model. Like, look, <laughs> just, like looking up <laughs> into the sky. I just have a really <laughs> good friend with a photographer mom who's just like, hey, can I come shoot? I was like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the, the photos are just, dude. The photos just pump out. Oh yeah, Fantastic. like your food photos, so good. Like, look, go check out Logan's food because yes, I can't check wait. Him out, give him a follow. Go eat his food if you're yes, around. Yes, if you're in Southern California, go check it out. And when we get out there, we are definitely having some barbecue with you, man. HowlerCon 2025, dog. What's up? We're ready. As soon as this fucking pandemic ends. Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully by 2025, it'll be. A huge community, and I'll have to buy another cooker. Yeah, then we can and have, I'll like... have my Spirit Hoods wolf coat. 
the brown and the black <laughs> and the like scarf one you know we need those for warm days all right as long as it were like the rave ones like oh that is a scarf one huh? yeah. <laughs> okay logan thank you thank you again logan blessings wow well done logan thank you for coming on i love seeing the excitement in super fans <laughs> eyes who just like love pierce as much as we do I know. and that story of them meeting is it's so wholesome you know on pierce's part he's just so nice to everybody it also just made me feel a lot better about our own meeting pierce story. <laughs> about us being <laughs> super weird i remember after we met pierce i was talking to blair his sister and i was like trying to be like cool i was like what's up what, what? How are you? What are you? And we were talking about like animal rescue, and I was like playing it cool, and I was like, I think I, I think I like made up for my weirdness <laughs> for being a complete spaz for <laughs> yeah. the previous hour. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, I, I leveled it out between the brown siblings. <laughs> Thank you, Logan. Though. Yes. Um, super excited to eventually have a backyard barbecue at your place thanks for the invite and you can find logan online at zeph hawaiian check out his instagram the food pictures are amazing if you live in the southern california area and you're not eating logan's barbecue like then are you really living yeah what's wrong all right let's move on to our next segment which is fan casting and predictions okay ben who do you think should Grace us with their face as Darrow. Okay, I think I've mentioned my fan casting for Darrow before. It is Jacob Elordi. From Euphoria. Yeah, he, so he plays like the kind of like dickhead, <laughs> total dickhead dude. But he's, I think he's huge, got, man. He's, he's got a good look, I feel he's like. He's six foot five. And he's got, so that's like perfect for Gold I Darrow. I didn't realize he was that big. We do a little like Captain America with him, you know. Oh, small to big. Yeah, and then um, for sure. he's young enough. He looks young enough. He's anyway. only twenty three. Right. But yeah, he's got a great face because he's like super handsome, but he's not like Cassius handsome. And I think he broods well. If you watch Euphoria, oh, he yeah. broods really well. I like. Okay, I like your choice better than mine, but I'll still say mine. Let's hear it. Um, for those of you who have seen. Outlander. Uh, my choice is Sam Hugan. He played Jamie on Outlander, which, mm. you know, I watched season one, so did pretty good there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's he's probably a little too old at this point at 40, but he's also a big and he's blonde and he's at least in Outlander. He plays a Scottish guy, I think. But he's... um. <laughs> From the UK. Anyways, he's super hot. And I'm my fan casting wasn't necessarily Sam Hugan himself, but was a lookalike. Yeah. Um You like his look as far I, as and I, I like his look in Outlander specifically. Okay. With the long blonde messy hair. Gotcha. Super hot. But you know, I I like your pick better, I think. <laughs> All right. Let's talk predictions. We're not getting into any kind of long, convoluted predictions for Daryl. That's not interesting. Is All I want to know from you is, does Darrow live or does he die in book six? Well, I liked our the idea that we uh, worked on with Heather about the veil mm. as mm. like a, if he dies, that'd be good. But obviously, I would prefer 
if he lived mm-hmm. and it was a you know mostly happy ending besides all of the people that we have lost and probably will lose mm-hmm. um so i'm gonna say that darrow lives and probably loses like an appendage of some sort <laughs> nice <laughs> okay what about i you? i think i've been pretty like Hardline Darrow's going to die in book six for a while now. But I've been thinking about this the last few days. And I just feel like we're all kind of expecting that. And that Pierce isn't going to give us what we expect. And he is going to live. Aww. I think he's going to be able to go away and maybe have his like... Maybe be a dad for a second. Lauren, yeah, type dad life maybe we'll have like a spin-off where pax is the um main character and i don't know any spin-offs <laughs> <laughs> maybe i i feel like once daryl solves the current issues of the solar system like my guy has got to walk away at some point yeah know? like <laughs> maybe like hand the torch <laughs> yeah, like to someone else somebody else needs to give him a break I agree with that, for sure. <laughs> He's been going at it for way too long. Okay, you've heard it here. Daryl lives. Daryl lives. Don't question our authority <laughs> on the matter. <laughs> All right. It's time for the Prime Five. And this time, for Darrow, we're doing our best moment from each book. Yes, yeah, so we've got five moments, obviously. We've got five books we picked a single moment from each book that is our favorite moment from that book i wouldn't say favorite but like one of the best i mean i like so many for the purposes of the prime five okay for the purposes of today but i just want everyone to know that i have other favorite moments these aren't the only favorite moments (laughs) these are our favorite moments collectively collectively as a pair okay our first moment from Red Rising is Darrow and Mustang in the cave in the North Woods. The reason that we chose this moment is because we feel like it is so important to Darrow's development as a character. This is really where he learns that he can't just like force people to follow him or he can't be uh, a leader and that he's just the strongest and the fastest. Like people have to have a reason to follow him. And Mustang helps him establish that idea. She heals him. She shows him that golds can be more than just slavers. Right. And so this is really where he takes the idea of living for more to heart. That's kind of where he actually starts to understand it for the first time. And uh, then he uses that to inspire people within the Institute first and then later on throughout the entire solar system. So we feel like this mo- this moment is so pivotal to his development as a character. And then also, like, we obviously have this linchpin relationship established at this moment as well between Darrow and Mustang. Yeah, we need Mustang for the future of the society, obviously. Right. Mustang really legitimizes Darrow and his cause by coming from one of the Conquering Gold families and the ruler of mars family Mm -hmm. um so without mustang i feel like especially in the future darrow would have just been totally fucked so this moment was so important for darrow and while my 
favorite moments are more the like action packed ones. This one really sets Daryl up so that he can have those winning moments when he takes Olympus and has people fighting with him Mm -hmm. who are passionate about like being one of his troops, not just being like scared of him. Yeah, they're not slaves. They want to follow him. And they are living for more, for their own freedom. Exactly. So, good job, Mustang. Good job, Daryl, for, you know, learning to grow in that moment. And then, of course, the amazing Nick Brenlow has provided us with quotes for all of our Prime 5 moments this week. And um, we've got this great quote from Nick where Daryl learns to live for more. Yes. Her words strike my heart. They echo through time from another's lips. Live for more. More than power. More than vengeance. More than what we've been given. I must learn to be better than them, not simply beat them. That is how I will help Reds. I'm a boy. I'm foolish. But if I can learn to become a leader, I can be more than an agent of the Sons of Ares. I can give my people a future. And that is what Eo wanted. Nick, coming through <laughs> with the Irish accent, yes. How about the accent work? Oh, nice. <laughs> I that's like, Irish is beyond me. It's amazing that he just, like, is so natural with it. And that's what TGR did, you know, moving from Red Darrow into Gold Darrow. Right. Amazing, Nick. <laughs> we gave Nick a complicated assignment this week. He's obviously... A quick one. Nailing it. Yeah, and a quick turnaround. So he's the man. Thank you, Nick. Let's go on to our number two moment. Golden Sun. Yep. Obviously, we're taking you to the Gala Gala. <laughs> Gala Gala. This is uh, epic. Um, there's obviously many epic moments in this book, but this really is like the apex of epicness. Darrow duels Cassius in front of Cassius's family, mm-hmm. and <laughs> the the moment of the moment is... While you were sleeping, I was training. I don't even know the quote. <laughs> While you were getting fat and sassy, I was training with Lorne, bitch. That's what he said. And then he just like stops pretending to be bad at fighting. Right. I right. would love to do that. <laughs> like, I would love to do that. Yeah, the secret reveal that I've been training for like three years. Uh, prior to this is pretty awesome and obviously like first read totally got me i was like oh shit because like we're we're like oh no he's gonna lose you don't like catch those references to lauren prior to no and i'm like where was he for the last three years i don't even know uh and yeah this is like also another huge step in darrow's development this is when he kind of figures out his plan like and what he's going to do to break the society apart he's like i'm gonna straight up start a civil war right like, right here right now Well, and and he has just made a huge huge choice in deciding to not go along with harmony's plan right and to even though he still like believes her story of things mm-hmm. and that dancer's dead and everything He's like, you know what? I don't I don't agree with the Sons of Aries anymore. I'm going right. to make a better path for the future. And he's like all alone in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then he does this. It's so right. cool. He had already decided to like blow the place up. He had planted the bomb or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then he like walked outside and then he you know, contemplated everything. And he made this decision consciously like, no, I'm not going to give up on all this shit. 
I'm going to like see it through. And, and he's he like, had, I'm going to win my girlfriend back. I'm going to give my girl back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so great. I love it. And I, I, I am sad that Cassius had to be the heel in this moment. He's so perfect for that. But though. like, like I'm, I'm glad that Darrow didn't kill him. Going back and rereading it, like Cassius is awful in this moment. Like, He's so he's terrible. Pompous he's talking shit to Darrow. And oh, he's yeah. Like, Mustang was moaning in my bed oh, this yeah. morning. He's Just like, awful. You're like, stop being <laughs> such a D-bag, man. Sorry you got wine spilled on your crotch. Calm down. But it's like so perfectly like evil in that yeah, moment. Yeah, And uh Gives Darrow so much fuel. Right. It gives Darrow all the fuel he needs. And then also, just as the reader, you're just like, fuck this guy you know like a when Daryl's like standing on the table and screaming at Cassius <laughs> you're like doing the same thing you know you're like stuffy yes. on glasses <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> amazing all right let's hear Nick reading our quote from the Galakawa. Galakawa. my name gentle lords and ladies is Darrow Al Andromedus my honor has been pissed upon I demand satisfaction I like the <laughs> understated. I demand satisfaction. I demand satisfaction. <laughs> I'm going to fuck you up, bro. <laughs> I don't think we're quite as classy as Daryl was in that moment. Um, We're too pumped up. That's but true. I think Nick's reading is accurate. Because <laughs> he obviously, the crowd was hushed and he had everyone's attention. And yeah. the way to draw people in is to... Yeah. Bring it bring it in. Bring it down. Yeah. Good call. Okay, Ben, what's up for Morningstar? All right. Our favorite moment for Morningstar is Darrow on Phobos. He floats through the moon city or whatever, you know, in his pulse armor, and they're about to start basically Hashtag the rising. <laughs> oh, the, the red rising? It's about to go down, like the entire thing. And he has this just amazing speech uh, that he gives on all the HDs. And then that's when everything happens. So he's made the speech on the um, HC. And then Ragnar starts his attack. And then the low colors start to rise up. It basically starts, it sparks the entire rising. You know, he shows, you know, the no sigils on his hands. That's like shocking to people. That'd be right. like walking out with no eyebrows. And right. being like, look at me. <laughs> and he's the first person in 700 years or whatever to not have any sigils. To not be labeled, like right. outwardly labeled, like who you are. It's amazing. Just a huge seminal moment for Darrow, for the rising. And it's what we've been building to, like this entire story has been building to this moment. And then I love how Darrow just is so like clutch. Like I, I'm a big sports person and I love a clutch athlete. And I feel like Darrow is a clutch athlete. He always rises to the occasion. So he's here on Phobos and he needs to make this big speech. And he's, then he comes out and he looks great and he just nails the entire speech, you know, and it starts this entire uprising. Yeah. And he constantly does that throughout the series. So I love him. Uh, you know I'll who wrote that speech for him? <laughs> Pierce Brown wrote it. <laughs> All right. Let's hear Nick read it. Today, I declare your rule to be at its end. Your cities are not your cities. 
Your vessels are not your vessels. Your planets are not your planets. They were built by us, and they belong to us, the common trust of man. Now we take them back. Never mind the darkness you spread. Never mind the night you summon. We will rage against it. We will howl and fight till our last breath. Not just in the mines of Mars, but on the shores of Venus, on the dunes of Io's sulphur seas, in the glacial valleys of Pluto. We will fight them in the towers of Ganymede, and the ghettos of Luna, and the storm-stricken oceans of Europa. And if we fall, others will take our place, because we are the tide, and we are rising. We are red rising. <laughs> Damn, I'm pumped up. I, I hate that I'm like stuck inside, you know, for COVID and for the winter. <laughs> I just really want to rise up <laughs> with Darrow and like get some shit done, man. I agree. Like I want to go get my my ships and my grab boots and like <laughs> do some shit. I don't know. Let's go. And I need Nick there, obviously, to pump me up. Yeah, we'll need to bring Nick. He'll have to give us the speech, and then we'll start <laughs> breaking stuff. <laughs> Love it. Okay, let's go on to Iron Gold. This is kind of a general moment in Iron Gold. Obviously, it's not the best book for Darrow. I was going to say, there's just not a lot of great Darrow moments to pick from in this book. No, um, it's hard, but we do love... Um, that we get to see for the first time Darrow as a father. We get to hear his inner monologue about how he's, he strives to be a better father and how much joy it brings him to see Pax like, interested in his bike and when, and when he takes right. Darrow out on the ride and they have that like intimate moment. It's, it's definitely like a painful moment and you know there's a big gulf between them but i think just daryl having a son and us being able to experience that adds another whole layer of depth to daryl as a character very bittersweet moment like you said but also just a really great moment for us to see because we know how much it means to daryl like we know that he wanted to be a father from early on in book one and that how much that means to him and how much it pains him to let Pax down right. and not be the father that he should be for Pax. So, so um, hopefully we get to see more right. Daddy Darrow. That would be great. I really hope that, like we get the reunion of him with Mustang and, and Pax. Let's hear Nick's narration for Iron Gold. I want more than anything to give him what he wants, what he needs. I feel the erosion of my credibility in his eyes, and I wish that I could explain that he's right. A father should be there for his son. My father should have been there for me. I hated him for leaving us, for dying on a scaffold in a failed rebellion. I'll come back, I say. I love it. It's oh so, my God. It's so intimate. <laughs> I just got chills, Nick. I got sad. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> will Will you come back? <laughs> But you could just hear the longing in his voice. So, like, he wants it so bad, you know? Too bad he has, you know, he's already booked up for th- <laughs> for the rest of the solar system. With the solar war. Yeah. yeah. I think he's a little busy. Okay, Ben, tell us your favorite Dark Age moment. Okay, so we picked 
a moment that is a little different. Like, I think Dark Age is similar to Iron Gold in that there's not like a bunch of like super standout Daryl moments. Right. I mean, you got to beat him down so that he can really succeed <laughs> in book six. Right. You know? But I think what's so great about Dark Age is we finally get to see Darrow from someone else's perspective. And so that is so cool. We get to learn so much about him, and especially that perspective being Lysander's perspective. And he's great at descriptions. Exactly. We know he can break someone down in a way and understand them in a way that not a lot of other characters can. So the moment that we picked was the moment from The Long Night. Lysander's made his charge on the Sunbloods, and it's mayhem. Yes. Um, the razors. Horse guts. Horse guts. <laughs> everything. There's shit flying everywhere. Snipers. Thrax is, you know, jumping through walls <laughs> and shit. And Lysander is like, where's Darrow? Where's Darrow? Where's Darrow? And he's looking around the battlefield. And then he, he sees him. him. And then he gives us this great description of Darrow being like the tiger in the grass. And how, like, you can see him before you can actually see him you can right see, like, the ripples the <laughs> yeah the ripples and uh and then his razor stands above the grass and or the bodies <laughs> <and> <laughs> it's like the tiger's tail and so we get this amazing description of darrow and we'll have nick read it here from the horses we can see nothing but the churn of battle then i spot the signs of his advance from the far side of the triumphia it is like the coming of a tiger through tall grass first a rippling in the distance that seems like wind, then a tunneling force, an outward swaying of riders, a starting of horses. Men disappear from saddles. Sunbloods collapse sideways with horrible wounds. Then, like a tiger's tail, the curved sling blade rises above the stalks as he threshes all in his path. He kills with impossible aggression. Ooh. Impossible aggression. Aggression. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of scared of Daryl now. That's awesome. Um, we're so lucky to finally start seeing Darrow from different perspectives and not just be in his head. I mean, he makes such a giant impact. Right. It. This really explains like the legend of the Reaper and why he is revered by so many and why so many are so scared of him and like they why he, exactly why he instills that fear in people because like you said he sh they should be scared of him he is a well, force of nature if you're on the wrong side <laughs> <laughs> so this moment combined with like the light resistance moment i think are my two favorite kind yeah, of daryl yeah. moments from and uh, the light resistance one was basically <laughs> a joke by pierce <laughs> exactly like first <laughs> we see the mayhem and then it's like Darrow brushes away light resistance. Right. So, yeah, like in IG and in Dark Age, Darrow's not really the focus of the story. He's, he's a character, but he's no longer like the, the focus. sole focus. Yeah. So, we're sharing it. Picking out these best moments for him, like a lot of the time, other characters are having their best moments and Darrow is a part of them. Mm -hmm. And like, think about Alex getting the wolf pelt or something like that. But that's not really a moment for Darrow. It's his. Um, character, you know, helping another character be developed. So in these moments where we get to see him from somebody else's perspective, I think that's when we get to learn something new about him. Yes. Thanks for all the great memes. Yes. 
We memes, love you, Darrow. No memes. Um, I don't know how we actually did a prime five with Darrow, but somehow we managed it. Somehow we got it down to five. <laughs> I'm proud of us. I'm proud of you, Ben, because <laughs> I was like, what about this one? What about this one? Um, all right, Ben, is Daryl prime or is he prime? Man, this is tough. I'm going to say that he is prime. Same. <laughs> the primus? I'm sure that the Howlers, you know, were on the edge of their seats waiting for us to make this ruling. It we was rough. It was rough. going to go ahead and say that he's prime. But let's hear from the Howlers. We have a few emails and I think a voicemail that we can play for you guys. And they're going to profess their love for Darrow. They better. Let's hear it. <laughs> Let's bring it to our first mailer, howler, um, our ride or die, Daniel. Daniel says, I fucking love Darrow. Without him, we wouldn't have this amazing series that touched all of us. The only other series that can compare is the Stormlight Archives which was great. I agree. And Daniel says, if you haven't read it, treat yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He just finished Rhythm of War and God damn it, Brandon Sanderson. Brandon Sanderson is like my number three favorite because he's just long-winded. But great storylines. I was going to say, I feel like you talk a lot of shit on Brandon Sanderson. I am opinionated, (laughs) but I still love his story so much I keep reading them all. Okay. Okay, back to Daniel. Um, he says, Daryl has gone through so much that I think it's kind of difficult to comprehend. Born a slave, experimented on, countless injuries that would put normal mortals down. He just keeps rising. Rise. (laughs) When he was younger, that rage was pure and wonderfully intoxicating. But I've enjoyed the second trilogy more. Wow. That's a hot take. I like that. Most people... Say the opposite. I'm a second trilogy guy myself, Dan. Nice. I mean, I know I'm not. Okay. (laughs) 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 I don't agree, but like, I like it. Um, Daniel says maybe it's because I'm closer to 30 now and I'm seeing more of life, but I can feel that weight he's carrying. I'm old too, Daniel. Yeah, we're we old too. (laughs) He says I can't grasp it, of course, but it's the doubt of an adult that I can relate to. Am I doing the right thing? Is everything I've worked on all for naught? Have I deluded myself past the point of redemption? Can I be the man that my family thinks I am? He's got a lot of heavy shit going on, but for fuck's sake, bro, quit fucking up. Quit pushing people away. Oh, now now we're angry at Daryl. <laughs> you had to keep Mustang at bay, which I understand. That's difficult being married to the sovereign, but several holiday dancer? I agree. What are you doing, Daryl? He says, uh, when are you gonna learn from your mistakes? I thought that you could you thought you could control the jackal, ended up in a box. You thought you could take on Aja. Ragnar dies. You thought you were the only way to win the war, Atalantia rises. You release the Minotaur. He controls Venus now. And you saw how broken Orion was, but trusted her anyway, and you killed millions, just like the slavers. I don't care if this gets backlash. You have fucked up bad. He's, it's like a letter to Darrow. <laughs> you fucked up bad Darrow. You killed Wolfgar, which people sleep on, but the people are still pissed off about that. And you allowed your commander to kill millions of innocent people. All great points. So Daniel basically says the hypocrisy of people thinking Darrow does no wrong disgusts him. So we need to 
not only worship Jarrow. This is mm-hmm. good for this episode because we were we weren't saying his wrongdoings. Thank you, Daniel, for bringing those back to light. That's true. Daniel does say he is prime, but he will not survive. He won't be able to go home. His son will live without a father, wife without a husband. Say somehow the rising winds. Mercury would never bow while he lives. The rim low care. The rim low colors remember his betrayal. And even if the peerless were defeated completely, their families will never forget or forgive. So Daryl has to die for peace. He will go out with a roar, and I'm looking forward to it. But there can't be peace for either side as long as the Reaper lives. Man, that actually makes me really rethink my prediction because I think that's a really good point. Oh, you're taking Daniel's side? I'm holding strong. I, I definitely see that he has a really great point, and I could see that happening. I just like to pretend that we're going to all <laughs> live happily ever after. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like we said. He, I don't think he needs a break. So, like, he can't be in the middle of it any longer. So he's either going to have to be, like, exiled or, or die in order for peace to be, be able to be a, a thing. I agree. Yeah. I I mean, I don't agree that he has to die, but I agree with that train of thought. He can't be in the middle of it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to go hang out by the pool and <laughs> let someone else take control. <laughs> he just needs that Lauren Europa life. Hell yeah. Get I'm some griffins, about, you know? man. Yeah. Get a griffin. Get, and get a greenhouse. Make some plants. Ride some waves. and Do it. Yeah. Meditate. Okay. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks uh, for this whole season. You've written in consistently, and we really appreciate it. Stay well, Daniel. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you, Daniel. And thank you for that thoughtful and and well-put letter uh, to Darrow there. I, I thought you had a lot of great things to say, not only about Darrow, but just about being a human being. All right, let's go on to our next email. This one's from Lene Anderson. <clears throat> She says, Lo, Hallerpod, since Darrow is my favorite character of this series, he's of course Prime. He is such a well-written, complex character, or rather, two characters. One is the Reaper, the warlord, and the leader who is ambitious, aiming at his goals and seeking to duty even when his child has been kidnapped, but also he he can go blood red and be cruel and an individualist trying to solve things all by himself, sometimes at the cost of his friends. Darrow, the other side of the character, contains the remnants of the red Helldiver boy who we meet at the beginning of the series. He is vulnerable and thoughtful and cries openly several times during the series. Even in Iron Gold, he tries very hard to believe in the best in people, which often gets him into trouble, but also makes some golds change like Mustang and Cassius. He really wants to give all the low colors a better life, and at least in the first trilogy, believes in the idea of the Republic. This side of the character makes me like him so much, even when the Reaper does, quote-unquote, bad things. But both sides of his character, the Reaper and especially Darrow, are deeply depending on being loved by his family and friends in order for him to thrive and go on fighting. He knows that Mustang helps him balance the two sides so that he doesn't lose his humanity to his temper and the Warlord completely. During the second trilogy, the situation gets tough, and Darrow's without his family and his best friends since Darrow and Mustang and Victor must stay at home and Severo does not always agree on his decisions and ends up choosing his family to instead of duty and goes home. This leaves Daryl with none of those who used to help him balance his hard and more cruel reactions. We see him grow more cold, and that killing of hundreds of people no longer seems to affect him the way it would have done 10 years before. 
Thraxa is as much a fighter as he is, so she does not hold back. Rona and Alexander do make him show some soft feelings, but at the end, it is Harnassus who ends up playing his father figure and his conscience and stops him when he refuses to accept the defeat. I like this theme a lot because it shows how dependent we are on love and friendship in order for us, well, at least for me, to thrive and make proper decisions in life and balance our behavior. The question is, how will Darrow slash the Reaper react to the fall of Mercury and the loss of his fleet and millions of soldiers? Ten years ago, he would, have, he would have been completely broken down. Can he find the strength to go on after this exhaustion? If he survives his injuries, that is. I really think he and Mustang and Pax deserve some more moments of light, and I'd love to see him fight with Cassius again and save Severo and the Howlers in return for Severo saving him from the Jackal. Without a fleet, it seems quite impossible to save the Republic, and knowing Pierce Brown, I can only fear the worst and hope that Darrow won't get killed too soon. (laughs) (laughs) It will break my heart, and besides, the audiobook audiobook simply would not be the same without Tim Gerard Reynolds narrating for Darrow. Hail Reaper and long live Darrow. Thank you so much, Lene, from Denmark. I feel like the trend is now that Darrow's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Are we sentencing Darrow to death? On, I don't know if I can ride Hallibut. this ride anymore. <laughs> okay, next up we have Stephanie. Stephanie writes, let's be real. Who's going to say Darrow is a pixie? Of course he's prime. Being the protagonist and main narrator of the series, I can go into a million reasons why he's prime, but I won't rehash the details. I have heard some readers and reviewers call him Gary Stew, and I just want to say I disagree. He's not universally loved by every character. He's also not without faults and has failed a few times throughout the books. But he has also learned from past mistakes. I love his character development. Take a drink for Pierce's writing. Cheers, Stephanie. I don't know how you will narrow his moments down to a prime five. There's so many to love. It was tough. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) I'm so bad at casting because characters I picture don't exist, um, but they should use Captain America CGI method for carving. Yes, definitely. Stephanie and I are always mind melding. Yes. Prediction for book six. I'm fearful that he might die, and I don't want that for him. I want Darrow and his family to get their happy ending. Daryl deserves to be the husband and father he dreamed of being when he was a Helldiver in Lycos. Please don't reap the Reaper, Pierce. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. Yes. The fear is there that Daryl will die, but maybe Pierce will be nice since this last <laughs> year was so hard. <laughs> I don't know. And thank you, Stephanie, for the email. Stephanie's also been writing in uh, all write, year long. I was going to say write or die instead of write She's or die. Write or die. Write. Along with Daniel. Or die. Write or die. If you don't write, you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you guys so much for participating on the show every week. Like Yes. Really the input awesome. is vital. Good. Thank you. Our next email is from our main man, the voice of Hallerpod himself. Nick Brendlow. Woo! All right. He says. Wait, are you going to read it in his voice? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I like, I'm, I'm so nervous to do accents for Nick. You know? I know. I, w- like, I used to do them a lot more. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> now I'm like insecure about it. Uh, he says, one of my favorite quotes from the saga is when Daryl refers to himself as being the motherfucking consequence of Atalantia's attacks on the Republic. 
Aside from being an awesome line, it made me think about how Darrow or someone like him was inevitable. Sociologist Louis Althauser argues that the rich maintained power using something he called ideological state ap- apparatus. Here, the powerful present ideology as fact, repeating their assertions until class-based beliefs become ingrained. What I like about Pierce's critique of this idea is that the golds are as much a victim of these assertions as anyone. Initially, the color hierarchy was militaristic, with gold representing command functions like on Star Trek. Fast forward a millennium and their gold descendants are convinced that only they possess the agency and will to shape society. Sure, they are aware of outliers like the Sons of Ares, but these are seen as little more than spiders, ticks, and rats, to quote Pliny. Gold believes that their social engineering will ultimately keep them safe. However, I love how they've actually achieved the same result as the Gold Institutes. As far back as the prologue of Red Rising, Daryl describes himself as having been forged in the bowels of the hard world. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> what did I, I said Saruman, and I was like, wait, isn't that like the bad witch guy? <laughs> He's like the evil wizard in Lord of the I Rings. I know. Yeah. I just like his name. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, he said, okay, so forged in the bowels of a hard world before being sharpened by hate. Nero later echoes this idea, stating that the Reds are defined by their toughness, their calluses, and their knowledge of pain. However, endurance is not exceptionalism. And it's here that gold brutality really comes undone. By forcing the Reds to subsist on little, the Golds have bred resilience. By asking Reds to use substandard equipment and challenging excavations, the Golds have bred innate problem solvers. Just look at Daryl's facility with complex mathematics, puzzles, and lateral thinking, all before he was carved. Moreover, by exposing Reds to enormous physical dangers, such as pit vipers, Gold has bred one of the few species of man capable of surviving a carving. Is Daryl exceptional? Yes. He needed a unique combination of nature and nurture to become the reaper. However, what I like is that Darrow's circumstances, while rare, are not unique. This is what makes Darrow so compelling. We are all products of our traumas. We all bleed. We all suffer. However, with resilience, flexibility, and openness, we too can carve ourselves into something prime. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your journey. It's been brilliant. Nick, you are brilliant. You're the fucking man. God, that was and so I inspiring. Love, I love the, um, you could tell he's studied childhood development, yeah. nature, nurture. <laughs> All of our contributors are so smart. I know. I just love So everyone. talented. <laughs> um, <laughs> Princess Fates and Allerpod. And I just want to point out <laughs> to Ben here that Nick and I are Facebook friends. Wow. So... You need to back off. <laughs> 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 He's my friend. <laughs> Facebook official. Yes. Please. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Um, that was a great email. And I, I love the that whole, take. Yeah. All the contributions you've made this year on HowlerPod are priceless, and we cherish them. And stay well. Stay healthy. Yes. I hope you're doing well over there in Great Britain. We um, will be there soon. <laughs> We will have to come. <laughs> we're gonna have to visit so many people when I this know. Oh yeah, ends. we're gonna do a tour, but mostly I'm just gonna hang out at Nick's house. How our Howler Pod World Tour? Yeah, I you know, I don't know how Nick feels <laughs> about Downton Abbey, but I need to go see <laughs> <laughs> where they recorded it. 
Nice. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Nick. Next up, we have some voicemails. Okay. We've got one final voicemail submission here from the Howlers. Let's hear it. Hey, Ben and Aaron. It's Maya from England, and I thought I'd be less of a pixie and call in for my boy, Darrow. You asked for a favorite Darrow moment, and I can't really do that without this turning into a prime 500. So I'm just going to tell you my favorite thing about him instead. And it's the way he inspires people and brings them together. The weirdest argument I've seen against him is that he wouldn't have achieved everything he has without his friends and allies. You know, the whole, he would have died a hundred times without Mustang, or he couldn't have done this or that without Severo. And I think, well, true, but isn't that the whole bloody point? Because he's this irresistible force that attracts the smartest, bravest, kindest, and craziest to his cause, bringing all kinds of skills and perspectives that he lacks. There's something in him that speaks to the bronzy dregs, privileged gold reformers, the radicalized obsidians, mid-colored misfits, and reds and pinks who are just sick of everything. And through the strength of his charisma and his deeds, you know, he darrow shapes these disparate groups into a fighting force capable of dismantling a 700-year-old tyrannically powerful regime and honestly that's more compelling to me than him just personally stabbing various villains for three books until he wins not to say that he isn't also just a fucking beast in battle who elevates the plot to a whole new level of crazy brilliance whenever he says change the paradigm so yeah um there's a lot of great things about him but this is what really ties him to the most important messages of the series for me um um, Maya, thank you so much for calling in and not being a pixie. Maya, you're awesome. And that was I also want to hang out with Maya. <laughs> I I just have too many people that I really want to give hugs to. And Maya's at the top of my list. Of course, Maya is the fantastic artist on Instagram at where day where daydreamers go. Yes. Um so if you haven't checked out her Red Rising art, please do. Also, Maya, like I feel like that was like the perfect voicemail to I, end on. <laughs> that was. I think uh, it was milky smooth, perfect. Uh, it was Maya. so well said, and she just like totally captured what's so great about. Yeah, Darrow. he brings everyone together towards the same cause, and every type of person, every color. He really um, inspires us all. Just like this podcast. <laughs> thank you maya (laughs) wonderful job shout out to all of the howlers that wrote or called in this year you guys are amazing we appreciate your contributions we're so glad that um you have the courage to uh, put your opinions out there and let us use them on a howler pod it's been uh, such an awesome journey on these character studies with you guys and we have so many new friends that's all we so ever wanted. Friends. All we ever wanted. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? You gonna go first? Or you want me to? I'll go first because, like, I feel late to the game. Mm. Probably because I'm thirty. Oh, you're thirty. Three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not counting my birthday when I had COVID, so I'm still thirty-two. You're in your early thirties. Yes. Um. 
so of course all of you cool young kids have already played this. It's Among Us, mm. the virtual game. Um, but I recently played it for the first time, and it was for like a hangout with my friends on. We'd use Zoom, like a Zoom game night, because we we don't know how to use Discord, and um, we you zoomed and drank and hung out, and we we played Among Us. And if you haven't played it yet. You can download it for free on your phone or iPad to like try it out. I would highly recommend playing it with your friends because it's just fucking hilarious and amazing. And then um, for better like nav navigation, faster speed, you can get it for like five dollars on Steam. And I haven't tried that yet, but I've heard it's it's better. But try it for free. Among Us. It's seriously so fun. I know you have seen... It's kind of like a murder mystery game. Yeah, you've right. seen these little space aliens. Everyone's talking about it. If you've played, like, Secret Hitler, it yeah. reminded me of that, where you, like, are accusing people of being the murderer. Yeah. Um, so, check it out. Nice. Among Us. Ben, what are you into? I'm into a TV show. I've got some British accents for you this week. It's not Bridgerton. It is Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. Plus. So the premise of Ted Lasso is that an American football coach from Kansas. And football uh, meaning American football. That's what I said. Ameri that's why I said American football. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. An American football coach from Kansas, played by Jason Sudeikis, is hired by a Premier League English soccer team. F to football. Uh, yes, soccer here in America, football everywhere else, <laughs> <laughs> actual football everywhere else, um, to be their manager. And then he goes out there, and it's kind of like if you've ever – this is for older people probably, but if you've ever seen the movie Major League, it's kind of has similar vibes to that. Where like, Dude, Major League is a classic everyone knows Right, Major where League. the owner doesn't want the team to win, so she hires a terrible manager. Every, it's like a ragtag group of athletes and whatnot. Right, right. Um, so there's elements of that. There's also kind of like elements of workplace comedy type stuff. But like I said, the comedy is not the reason I love this show so much. The reason I love this show so much is because it's really just about like kindness and being genuine and just being a good fucking person, being a good person to other people and how that can lift people up like and it makes me feel so good to watch it, like especially during COVID times and like, yeah, all this angry times, crazy shit going on out in the world all the time. It's a thirty-minute show that I can sit down. It's not about the jokes for me. It's more about just like seeing this very kind, genuine character <laughs> from Kansas, from Kansas, <laughs> like turn all these people, all these people that hate him because he's kind into loving him because he just. Is he's so kind and genuine. He's just such a Winnie the Pooh. And I love it. And also, there's a bunch of references to Kansas City and stuff, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. But it's a little played out for us Midwesterners. But you can tell, as a Midwest Midwesterner, uh, you can tell that it's made by a person that knows Midwestern people and like can poke fun at them, but definitely understands them in a way that they're not like portrayed as you know just like dumb. Like a lot of times we as Midwestern people get portrayed as, you know, the butt of the joke. And it's not, it's, what? it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's still a situation where 
he's making fun of it, but in a way, it's made by like somebody that, that clearly loves the Midwest well, and Jason, understands the people Jason here. Jason Sudeikis is from Kansas is City. from Kansas City, and so yeah, uh, that's kind of why it ties into that. It also mentions our hometown, Wichita. Shout Wichita, out the uh, ICT. So. Uh, I would, if you're looking for something that's um, not too heavy and is light and fun and makes you feel good at the end of it, watch Ted Lasso. All right, Ben. How about we talk about what's next on HowlerPod? Wow, the future of HowlerPod is it in the hangs, balance. It hangs <laughs> on a thread. <laughs> no, not really. Um, we will be back eventually. We are going to take a long break, though. We're both, uh, we've been podcasting, you know, we like podcasted for like 10 out of 12 months. I, I got to 2020. Got to get licensed, guys. Aaron's got uh, licensure exams to do for architecture. I've got some other creative projects I want to work on. So we will be taking a long break, but we will be back eventually. Um, we're thinking of new ideas. I'm always in the lab thinking about how. Um, I can do different episodes of, of HowlerPod. So if you guys <laughs> have ideas for things that you would want us to do, like the character studies came out of ideas from the Howlers. So uh, we're definitely open to feedback. If you have any ideas for us or things you'd like to see us do, please let us know. And who knows? We might drop in and diddle your minds here and there. <laughs> Surprise sure, episodes. Yeah, if, there's a, if there's a big announcement or something, we'll be back for that. But right now... We're definitely going to take a break for a while. These character studies have been super um, fun. So fun. And I feel like I know all the characters so much better now. Right. And we've really enjoyed doing them. So we're going to take a break, but we will be back probably, I don't know, summer, maybe something. We'll think I about it. I will remember <laughs> you. Stay tuned to our social media. We'll tell you when. Okay. It's been fun. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us. Howlerpod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. Tell us how much you miss us. Find links to all this and more at howlerpod.com. Tell a friend about the books. Get them on that reading train. Make sure they get on it before it really takes off. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, they could listen to Howlerpod. Rate and review us, five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will give you a really inspirational speech <laughs> just like darrow <laughs> and then you'll change your mind <laughs> how you need to give us a good review <laughs> <laughs> okay heather oh my god thank you our wise and wonderful researcher her hard work researching these characters and their historical connections has been amazing this year we've said it so many times but we are so thankful for you heather Miles, oh my God, also. Oh my God, Miles. Your art is amazing. We can't get over it. It was so lovely to meet you last And the, week. the new stuff that you're putting out that isn't Red Rising related. I mean, you are just elevating yourself, my friend. You're the shit. And Nick Brinlow, your voice is silky smooth. Oh. We can't get enough of like it. Like chocolate milk. <laughs> you elevate every podcast that you're on. We, we love you, buddy. And um, thank you to Logan for appearing on this episode and reaching out to us and um, having such a great conversation about Darrow. Thanks for being our new best friend. Exactly. And thank you, everyone, again, for writing in and for calling in and for messaging us, DMing us. All of it. We read all of it. If we don't respond, I'm sorry. There's a lot. But... It's, we love it's, you. It's our day jobs. <laughs> they get in the way of our real jobs. It's uh, It's been so incredible 
to have uh, the amounts of contributions that we've had. Like, I was a little scared to ask for so much participation for people because I didn't know if they were going to actually If we do get it. shut down? <laughs> yeah. You don't like being rejected? Uh, but you guys came through time and again for us, and we appreciate it so much. We love you all. Omnis Fear Lupus. Oh! oh!